You're listening to the Tumbling Saber Podcast, a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check us out on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey gang, welcome back. It's episode 161 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Corey. And I'm Carlos. We move into February. Principal photography is it's still going, guys. But it's, I mean, it's got to be on life support now. They have to be near the end. How you guys doing? Are you guys getting excited about all this stuff? Oh yeah, how you doing? Good to be here. <laughs> yeah. Is that your like 4 a.m. FM radio voice trying to fake people out of bed? No, that was uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Remember when he walks into the hospital? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, K- Kigo told me, I told him there's a little bit of lack of lo- uh, news this week. So I got to. A little like, yeah, bit. Gotta, yeah. He's like, you got to spice it up this week. So right before the show, I started rimming a glass, threw the rocks of ice in, slammed it up with the Tabasco, the Worcester, got some horseradish in there, and no vodka. No vodka. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Ma, where's the vodka? <laughs> you, Ma, you drank it all already, Ma, didn't you? Ma. <laughs> There's no vodka in the glass because you already drank it all. <laughs> anyway, that is that the, the loophole? I, uh, well, either way, the, there's no. Actually, that, that's the thing. I, I, I did. I left a week uh, the house last week, and it was like a half bottle. So I was like, Ma. <laughs> but uh, instead, instead of doing that, I, I'm on uh, Google right now, and I'm just I have a a steady image image flow of 3PO that'll be that'll be just about spicy enough for me well it's, it's funny you mentioned it's funny you mentioned goldenrod like did you guys see the tweet from anthony daniels this this week when he rapped on uh, his shooting for episode nine i'm getting a little verklempt like, I, I didn't bookmark the tweet so i can't read it but it was actually it was really sad like he said you know I, I, c3po is done for episode nine end of an era closing chapter blah 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 he said i'm sad c3po sad but you know glad to have been part of this thing for the last 40 years man it was uh i gotta admit i was i was a little bit moved by that yeah i agree with you honestly it uh it tugged on some heartstrings a bit yeah like it, it this one like he went through this in 83 so you know he, yeah the last six years were great man cool high fives all around but then you go through it again in 2005 and he probably feels a little bit more emotional about it and then he goes through it again this year this this time felt a little bit more final i think of course man the man is 72 so at some point he's gonna pass it on but yeah i don't know i I felt a little differently this time yeah who knows i mean standalones we don't know what we got coming in the near future and good chance they're not going to play in the same ballpark it's always been a bit of a just even a joke rogue one to c3po and well that that was my joke i'm like it's 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 the end of c3po for now until they call him back to do a cameo on the cassian andor show so maybe he'll be back hopefully yeah and also a i think brian herring also tweeted that he was done it was a wrap for bb8 for episode nine so that's that's two of the three main droids done with for episode nine and they, things are slowly R2, drawing R2, to a close. R2 is still there, huh? Hmm. Hmm. Well, what's the guy's name now that does R2 
Uh, Jimmy starts with a V, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I can't remember. But he, Isn't it know. Jimmy V? Yeah, well, something like that. <laughs> Jimmy V. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he hasn't tweeted yeah, anything. I, I don't know if even know if he has a Twitter. Yeah, it's Jimmy V. Double E. <laughs> well, there you go. So we'll wait for him to uh, to, to shout out his, his rap. But yeah, slowly but surely, we, we are coming to the end of principal photography here. And we wait for JJ to tweet something. He's got three tweets to his name. <laughs> three tweets, JJ. Come on, man. Give us something. No, I, We're starving here. I kind of love it, man. I mean, lack of news-wise, I mean, there's so much other stuff going on that we didn't get anything on, which is a bit of a shame there. But uh, the secrecy surrounding this film thus far is uh, stoking the fire. I love it. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about it because I, I want things to talk about, not necess- not just because it makes things easier for us to do when, when there's news to talk about, but, you know, I, I just want to be informed. I just want to know something. But on the other hand, I'm totally fine, like, really, intellectually, whatever you want to call it. I'm fine waiting. Like, if they don't want to give us anything till celebration, okay. I mean, that'll be great. It'll be like a big ex- big musket explosion to the face. What do you mean? It's it's Super Bowl Sunday. You mean we're not getting anything tonight? <laughs> nope. Nope. That uh, that wasn't going to happen. But anyway, um, yeah. Goodbye, C three PO. Goodbye, BB eight. And with that, goodbye news. That was it. <laughs> that was the news for the week. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> but if if you if you are listening to this on February fifth. There is a small chance we could get the title today. We have that Disney earnings call, 4.30 Eastern time on February 5th. So maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get lucky and get something uh, on the 5th. I, I'm, I wouldn't get my hopes up too high, but it's possible. Never say never, folks. Um, and then I would look for, you know, Bob Iger might mention it on the call and it would be Perfectly timed with some sort of tweet from J.J. Abrams saying we've wrapped on Star Wars Episode Nine, and he would drop the title name on Twitter. He could do that, but uh, again, I'm not getting my hopes too high in any respect for that. I think we, I think uh, odds are at this point we are looking at celebration. All right, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna spoil somebody here. Oh, forgot about this top one. Top huh? of the show. Uh, top I love of it. the show. Top you're of the always, show. You're just switching it up, man. You, you got to keep us on our toes here. I know. I like to, I like to move things around. All right. So this is for the uh, for the bro pack. We fear change. The storm pilot bro pack. <laughs> With what? <laughs> what did you say? We fear change. Oh, look out! I, you know, well, like I said in the newsletter, I'm a tinkerer. Watch out! I I know. <laughs> so confused. <laughs> You're here. Just let's just we'll get through this, and you can move on after that. So again, this is for the uh, the Bro Pack, Finn and Poe. It's the Black Series 6-inch of each and a matching Funko Pop of each. Finn and Foe. If there was ever a time for my name to get pulled, it would be now. I'm rooting for you, Carlos. Seriously, eh? Yeah, me too, kind of. Kind of. Reaching into the box, <laughs> pulling out the name, and the winner this month is... <laughs> Mr. Jeffrey Fishback from the Canto Cast. Oh, yes. Two time winner. I was gonna I was gonna be like, please let it not be Tom Brady. Please let it not be Tom Brady. <laughs> you know what? So I'm happy it's Jeff. I'm very happy it's Jeff. 
I bet Tom Brady's name is in that box. <laughs> it probably it is. It probably is. Just because. <laughs> Could a guy have more things going his way in his life? Uh, I don't know, man. It's tough to say. Uh, he was drafted by the Expos. Can you imagine that? Imagine Tom Brady as catcher for the Montreal Expos. Oh, he's definitely a catcher. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, everybody. Nobody was a catcher, wasn't he? He in was. He was yeah, yeah, he yeah. was a catcher. He was drafted in one of the later rounds by the Expos. He was he was charting to be a catcher in, in the majors. Uh, but he had to choose that fork in the road moment and he could have went on to be uh, a ball player or he could have went to back up at Michigan, I think. And he said, I'll go, I'll go back up at Michigan. And then of course, Super Bowl, what was that? 40, well, that would have been, yeah, Super Bowl, no, 37 or so. Super Bowl 36 or 37 came along and ruined my life. <laughs> He was uh, drafted in the 18th round by the Expos. There you go. Imagine that, though. Imagine, imagine the left turn that would have taken his life on. Like you don't, you don't pick up Giselle or Bridget Moynihan for that matter if you are catcher for the Montreal Expos, playing in a big cement toilet bowl. Unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. Anyway. Congrats, Mr. Canto Cast. The Poe and Finn Bro Pack, the Storm Pilot Bro yeah. Pack, is on its way to you, sir. Nice. And Jeff Jeff joins the uh, the two two time winner club. Yep, that's a prestigious club. I think it fit around, uh, what was that? I think he I believe he won the Django, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Anyway, next month is still up in the air. No idea what we're going to be giving away next month. But uh, I look forward to figuring that out. That's one of the fun parts of the month, looking what's out there and guessing uh, what what our powerful friends might like. Maybe I'll try and switch it up this month and keep everybody else on their toes. All right, Corey, so now we we have Jeff's collecting update in the bag. Do you have anything you want to share this week or did you sort of uh, go overboard last week? Well... I have a little some something, but I know Carlos has been chomping at a bit here, so let, let, let's have him uh, have at it. Carlos? <laughs> did we lose him? Or maybe Possibly. maybe he's trashing his apartment. Did, did you just did you just hand it off to me? Yeah, I see. I, I, I remember you saying that uh, you were really uh, anxious. Yeah, so this week, uh, because it was a little guy's birthday... Uh, we, uh, we kind of went all out and, uh, um, by we, I mean me. So, uh, little guy got the two new battle packs, uh, Lego, obviously we're talking about Lego star Wars here. So he's got the, um, the Praetorian guard battle pack and the Inferno squad battle pack. And, uh, the little build in the Inferno squad battle pack is freaking awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I'm quite happy with that purchase. And uh, he also got uh, from uh, my mom the Moloch Speeder. So now he has Han wow. Solo Speeder and Moloch Speeder. Very cool. And finally, uh, my sister uh, reached out to me and wanted to get him something uh, from Lego Star Wars. And 
had thrown a couple of ideas my way and I, I wasn't uh, too keen on what they had available. Uh, so I told her, listen, I'll pitch in uh, with uh, what uh, she wanted to what she wanted to give. So I pitched in a little bit and Mr. Ryan has himself a UCS Porg. Ooh, a UCS yeah. Porg. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are nice. Yeah. It's a, it's uh so it's the, the Lego Porg. Um, yeah. 800 and I don't know how many pieces, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's a nice size. And it's the display, uh, the display uh, porg. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be great. So we're gonna be building that in the next couple of weeks. And uh, what else? If you were to get uh, a, a piece like that, like being a Lego collector, like I think I might have asked you this in the past, but like I see a piece like that, there's no sense in taking any of the pieces off ever if you want to display it. So like, do you use like the craggle? No, no, I don't. Uh, we don't do that. We don't do that here. That has a lot of that that has a lot of weight to the piece actually. See that too, eh? Yeah, I wouldn't uh I wouldn't do that. That's not something I would uh, I would uh, condone. Well, I guess there is always the off chance that maybe you want to build it again sometime so you would disassemble it and and do it all over again or or maybe one day you just need to win space back so you disassemble the whole thing and box it back up. Yeah. It's well, considering I keep I pretty much keep all the boxes. Uh, so uh, yeah, definitely. That's that's it's more uh, that's more in my wheelhouse as opposed to gluing it all together. Like that's not something that uh, that would interest me at all. Fair enough. Yeah, he got a couple of other things too, but they're not Star Wars, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna break the rules here. <laughs> this is a Star Wars podcast, damn it. Yes. Uh, Corey, what have you got going on? Well, like you had kind of alluded to earlier, like last week, I don't know if anyone was listening there. I kind of, uh, kind of splurged. So, uh, that helped me to resist the urge this week, but, uh, yeah, there was some really cool stuff out there. Non star Wars related it was captain Marvel. <laughs> uh, I couldn't, couldn't do it. Couldn't pull the trigger, but, um, I did uh, finally pick up one of those, uh, resistance toys. I picked up, uh, yeah, I figured I'd go with the lead there. I went with Kaz, Ziono, Kazuda. So, yeah, just, uh, I don't know, couldn't resist, Nine ninety nine. why not? Yeah, I wish I could be on that that bandwagon with you, but I'm not. I, I'm, I'm shut out again, by choice. I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting back, I'm like that, that uh, batter that just won't swing at the pitch. I'm one of those guys right now. They're nice toys, though, I'd say. I, I, yeah, I, I do want to get a look at them. I don't know when, because my my local area just doesn't seem to want to, to update with any new stock anywhere. So I don't know when I'll, I'll get a look at these new figures. All right, so there's our collecting update. Very quick one this week, fairly uneventful, but Carlos is uh, doing big things on the the Lego side, so that that counts for something. That's huge, huge. All right, guys. So again, we have no news. Lucasfilm is keeping everything tight to the vest. So in its place, I wanted to bring up a topic that, uh, a topic among many that will surely heat up as we inch closer to episode nine. Uh, so with the help of our friends at the Star Wars Shadow Council, and I guess a, a bit with an assist from Delilah S. Dawson, she talked about her upcoming book, uh, The Skywalker Saga, uh, and 
people went kind of ballistic on Twitter late in the week over something she said related to that. Anyway, I wanted to take a look at Rey being a Skywalker, specifically Rey being Luke's daughter. And I want to ask you guys, is, is this still a possibility? So prior to me bringing this topic up to you guys, where were you on this topic, Corey? Was this like, no, she's a nobody? Or were you still thinking maybe she was Luke's kid? I mean, it's Star Wars, right? This saga is not over. I'm not really easily going to write it off, but I'm kind of leaning toward that it's going to be a tough sell at this point, a tough sell at this point for me. To make her a Skywalker? Yeah, but I'm not opposed to it necessarily either, pending how it's done. You know what I mean? There's a lot of questions that brings to the fore. So oh, we're gonna. Well, I think we'll get to them. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. So to, anyhow, there's a lot to talk about here. It, it, it. I'm not opposed to the to it. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, think I think that's the best part of this whole thing. This whole thing. We we still have no clue. I think the majority of fans going into the Last Jedi were like. Okay, this is where we're going to get some kind of confirmation of Skywalker lineage here, right? And it, it totally took a complete 180 from that standpoint. So who knows, man? That that's I mean, again, that's that's the best part about all this. But uh, again, I'm not opposed to it. Cool. And Carlos, where where were you before we started talking about this for for tonight's show? What do you mean? Where was I? Like, was in your head was Rey a Skywalker or oh. She- uh... No, it's tough. It, honestly, it's it's tough to wrap your head around because my initial reaction after uh, The Force Awakens was that she has to be. Mm-hmm. And then The Last Jedi did what it did, which is subvert expectations. And it um, then it's like, how could Luke not know that? That she, that she would be his daughter, first of all, you would feel it in the Force. Secondly, I mean, unless you completely blacked out, you'd know if you hooked up with someone. <laughs> so the possibility, unless that, that possibility is, does not exist at all, right? So um, I'm not sure, man. I, I really, at this point, it would be, um, it would be a kick in the, in the, in the teeth uh, for them to kind of retcon it that she's his daughter. At this point, because of there's nothing to tell me that Luke ever even touched a girl. You're yeah, you're right about that. I mean, you'd have to go deep diving into some external material to even get a sense that perhaps maybe I'm going to extrapolate and look into that a little too hard. You're right. There's nothing in the films that even suggests that. And like and like you after TFA, I was convinced that father and daughter were staring at each other. And then we started moving towards speculating on on The Last Jedi, and I moved off it. I just thought that, you know what? Ray Random makes more sense to me at this point. Um, you know, sending the message that a hero can come from anywhere and you don't have to be part of a particular uh, bloodline to make an impact. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm, I was fine and dandy with that message. But then, of course, there, there's always the counterpoint that this is the Skywalker saga. And, you know, Kylo seemingly is going down his dark path. And leaving the Skywalkers in that way seems pretty bleak for episode nine and the the curtain call for what's supposed to be an uplifting franchise. So I, I don't know. My feet are kind of at this point up in the air as to who's Ray. 
But anyway, so I, 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 I got it's so funny. I have this kind of exact same thing written down in the sense that like you've advocated time and time again and argued that raise their own person, like free of the Skywalker chains, you know, like showing that anyone can rise to become a, a hero, like you said, and not just legacy characters that we everyone kind of leans on and depends on and think that it's all like lineage, right? But again, like you just mentioned, it's the Skywalker saga, saga, you know, and this that's what they keep saying it is. This is the Skywalker saga, you know, the, the, like Lucasfilm is saying that. And this is the epic finale. It's number nine. So and somehow they got a title nicely together to form like a cohesive whole that binds all nine films together. Right. Mm-hmm. And the through line again is the Skywalkers. Yep. Well, so like I said, a lot of this is going to be supported by um, you know, the, the work of the guys at and, and gals over at the uh, Star Wars Shadow Council. And there's a case to be made for Rey being Luke's daughter. And there's some compelling stuff in there. And like I said, I, I read a bunch of their stuff over the last little while. And and Tab and Christopher are in our Facebook group. And so shout out to those guys for, for the work that they put in. And they've written, I mean, there's a ton, a ton of stuff on this topic. And it's it reads more like an academic paper than it does just like Joe Blow's blog. And so that you know that that's and that's a credit to them. Like it's it's well reasoned, well written. There's no fluff. Uh, well presented too. I really like those visuals. <laughs> I like pictures. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I we're we're only going to scratch the surface of their content on on this podcast because we can't be here for three weeks on the same episode. But I I would just I would really recommend anybody who's interested in diving into Star Wars to this level of analysis go check it out. Star uh, SWShadowCouncil.com. I'll leave some direct links in the Facebook group when I post this episode. Uh, I'll put them in the Patreon post as well. It'll be linked everywhere. If you want to see what exactly what we're talking about, I'll make sure you guys can get to that post. Um, and again, I'll be reading bits and pieces from uh, the conclusion for, I guess, for brevity's sake more than anything. Uh, so give me a couple minutes here. I'm just I'm going to read some of their points so that everybody, this kind of sets the stage a little bit for uh, the conversation that follows. So, uh, the crux of the matter, in the words of the of the Shadow Council. So, having Rey embody the light side of her family as a counter to her cousin's darkness makes the central struggle of the sequel trilogy an extension of the conflict that united the previous six films, the battle over the legacy of the saga's first protagonist, Anakin Skywalker. That's all well and good. Within this overarching conflict can exist two uh, can, can exist other themes too many of which people believed could only be the case if Rey were unrelated. Namely, Rey needing to define herself as a hero without the knowledge that her family is significant. In fact, by not knowing the weight of this legacy she is carrying, Rey proves even more solidly that the true nature of the Skywalker lineage is one of goodness, since she embodies it naturally without knowing she has a duty to do so. Rey is a hero because Rey is good, kind, and brave, not because she's the daughter of a legend. And finally, by making Rey a Skywalker, we weave the storylines of all three Jedi protagonists together into one satisfying conclusion. Anakin's story can conclude with the declaration that the goodness in him outshone the evil after all, and that his legacy won't be that of a warlord, but of a Jedi Knight. Luke's story can conclude with the discovery that he can grapple with the failings of his father, find a way to understand and forgive them, and move forward to become the parent Ray needs him to be, flaws, failures, and all. 
And Rey, at the end of it all, will learn that her family does not define her, she defines her family. The three endings work synergistically, ending the saga on a resonant, uplifting message of healing, forgiveness, and the power of familial love. So there's lots here, and again, we are just getting started, but uh, Carlos, in all that, what what do you make of, of any of that or all of that? Um, it, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice way to paint the narrative of, um, how the character can, has the power to, to define herself. And it's nice, um, coming through a, a bit of a journey of self-discovery myself, uh, over the last year. It's it's nice to have that message kind of be reinforced that, you know, uh, they say that, uh, you know, it's all about destiny and um, uh, you're you're going to do what what you, you were always meant to do. But to know that you have the power in your hands to to make yourself powerful and uh, that you have the power or in this case, Ray has the power to define who she is as opposed to having her family define who she is. I really, really love that. I think that's, and it's really important. It's something that we can actually translate over into our life. Yeah. And I think maybe the sequel trilogy is trying to have it both ways where like, like we just, like I just read, she doesn't, if she doesn't know she's a Skywalker, but she does the right thing anyway, she is that anonymous hero until, until she finds out otherwise. So I don't know if, if that dilutes anything or if it, enhances anything i that's kind of one of the the issues i have uh cory among all the stuff i just read what what did you take from it well just speaking of what you guys are just saying it's such a convincing argument and like i really like you know if it were true that again her not knowing that she's part of this legacy you know like it, it does add to her character for me you know like i feel like it would place a great burden on her knowing you know what i mean yeah, no, I, I I do. Like I, I have to say that I, I obviously I love the work that they've put in here. Like it's it's really persuasive when you put it that way. And again, this is the Skywalker story. And it makes it makes complete sense when you look at it from that perspective. Um and yeah, it's, and it's, well like let's let, let's look at it from this perspective for a second. Okay, let like think of it as Ray not like you're thinking this is episode nine, it's about the Skywalkers. Like what we know thus far is that Kylo is the only Skywalker in the game that we know 100%. Is that kind of like compelling enough? Like, where does Ray come into play in that story? Like, it's a family story. Uh, that's what they've been toting this whole while. Like, does she end it all? Does she redeem him? Like, how can she remain in the limelight? Like, she needs to be the key to all this somehow. But, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Like, she needs to be. Even though it's their story, and if she's not a part of that family, like she still needs to be the the, the main protagonist here, or like the absolutely we can't we can't take the limelight away from her, you know, like. But at the same time, like I don't know, like uh, it is kind of a persuasive persuasive article in the sense that, like the whole family thing, uh, it really to me, the th- the first thing that jumps to my mind is, like how how can they justify uh, how can they write it into the story at this point granted her past seems very elusive and whatnot but 
you know, you'd have to think the only way this could ever work for me is if Luke absolutely had no clue. Yep. No clue at all whatsoever. Like, there's no way he would dump her off on that planet. Oh, I, yeah, I, I don't think there's any circumstance in which he did. But we'll, we'll we'll get there. Like, like I said, I think that the take that I just read sort of marries the best of both worlds that heroes don't have to act out of obligation to up, uphold the family tradition. Like the, the angle that Ray Random, that's that's the angle that Ray Random is, is hoping for, just the, the anonymous hero. But it also brings in the aspect that the Skywalkers are innately good. And and George Lucas meant to show us through the Skywalkers that we can all be heroes if if we make those right choices to help others and and to do the right thing, but that we can also uh, fail and, and tumble down into darkness if we give into our fear and and selfish and like just our, our selfish desires. And and right I now, mean, I think Ray and Kylo are those mirrors. Like one makes the right choices and one makes all the wrong choices. And right now, I'm I'm liking where this is going as far as like um, bringing me back towards thinking about Ray being a Skywalker. Sorry, what were well, you gonna say? Think Corey? It, like, think about the Skywalkers as a cycle. You know, like it's it's gotta end at a point. So maybe Ray, like from a standpoint that she's not a part of the Skywalkers, like maybe that's like who she is. She's meant to, like again, this keeps her in the forefront, and like she's gotta kind of like figure out. She gotta help Kylo heal the Skywalker family. You know what I mean? Like she's gotta help him make amends with the whole thing. Yeah, that that one that one's slippery to me. I don't know how. Again, that's that's the the job of a writer to make that believable without having it come across as Ray has to clean up his mess. Uh, but anyway, there, there's more to prop up the case of of Ray being a Skywalker. And for me personally, it's the most compelling piece, and it's a, it's a thematic element that has has mostly gone unspoken since the. I early think I know days. what you're talking about. I, yeah, this yeah. I was big on this. If it is. Yeah, I was I was big on it for for a while after TFA's release, and then it kind of just faded away from fandom. So when Ray pulls that saber from the snow, and again, this struck me at the time that we're looking at the sword in the stone, playing out in our modern myth of Star Wars right in front of our eyes, and and like just how little orphan Arthur pulls the sword from the stone in that old legend, orphan Ray pulls the saber from the snow, and in that struggle for the saber, only Ray can claim it. Like if 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 JJ and company were intentionally drawing from the sword and the stone as inspiration, or trying to use that that uh, thematic basis for for the Force Awakens and for the trilogy at large, Ray only gets that saber if she's Luke's firstborn, and that's that's the only explanation. If if they're using that, right? Kind of. Yeah, but I have to say like that that that's the two two things that stood out to me a big time in TFA were I think Snoke and Kylo at one point refer to her as the girl at one point. You know, uh, Kylo freaks out, he's like, What girl? you know, like and then the the most amazing thing is when she does catch the saber, right? In TFA. Yep. Like after Kylo's been trying and trying, he says to her it is you in the like, in the novelization. That's true. It is in the novelization, eh? So take that with a grain of salt. 
uh, but it, it to me that really means a lot at that point it says that he knows something she does not you know like at that point he can kind of manipulate things it almost even almost, it, it the movie kind of alluded that to me too that snoke and kylo let it be through visions or prophecy news of this girl that was going to come and you know like mess mess some stuff up <laughs> yep carlos you want to jump in there yeah i was gonna say it, it, it's almost as if the writers know who she is <laughs> and we don't and we don't know yet oh yeah so, it's almost as if it's like that and uh yeah that's kind of cool that oh, we don't know but yeah but but at the same time um is it gonna is it gonna come across as oh man yeah we should have seen that or is it gonna come across as shoehorned just to, to tie things up that's my that's my fear and because it could it could have been so fluid and easy for for Luke to uh, the opening line uh, to be uh, who's your mother or you know where are you from as opposed to just throwing the saber over her shoulder like it could have been so that the the, the storyline could have gone. Oh, so, Ryan Johnson could have leaned right into it and made Luke well up with tears and go over and give Ray a big hug and say, I, I, I can't believe it's you. Yes, exactly. He could have went right down that road. But he no, but that 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 raises questions, man. Like he knew of her and gave her up, like never went to search for her. Just like, I'm going to live here and eat fish and drink green milk. Well, unless, well, unless something happened in that moment where he he suddenly felt her. He also disconnects himself from the forest, so maybe he doesn't know that she exists, and he only cool. feel he only feels that she exists when she's when she comes there. Hmm. There, there's ways to write yourself out of that. It doesn't have to be. You're sounding like a lot of uh, negative Nellies there, Corey. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like uh, I, I don't want to. If, if, if there's anybody that can, like, if there's like, anybody that can swing with whatever they do, it's Corey. Yeah, I know, but it's like Luke would never have imagined his daughter. You're sounding like one of those people. I don't uh, think he would unless like, I don't think he would. And then just give up, you know, like, like I get it with the whole Kylo thing. Like that seems like, but uh, I, I can kind of, again, go with it. If he had no, absolutely no clue. I don't necessarily know that he'd know just because it's his genetics or whatever, you know, like, Hmm, like there's something very familiar about you. Yeah, Are Vader, you my daughter? Dar- Darth didn't know right off the hop. No, yeah, that's Dar- it. Darth that's... Vader was holding Leia in his arms. Yeah. And couldn't that's tell. <laughs> so, let's let's give luke a little break here but i mean at a a certain point like it would have been i think it could have been really cool if maybe he doesn't know he has a daughter but maybe he sees this girl in front of him and she's the spitting image of a woman who's probably 20 or 30 years older than her and that's and that's what clicks it in his mind there's so many ways to make it so that luke's not a deadbeat like he doesn't have to be a deadbeat dad for for the storyline to work and um but but i mean i understand your trepidation like yeah it, it, it could be a lot trickier but uh i, I don't, don't get me wrong like that's I, the I, biggest I, issue i really like them to kind of do this again i think we've all been in our heart of hearts expecting that even if people don't want to admit it but it's the way they do it that needs to be significant and if there's anything to bode to this point uh it's that lucasfilm you know has had this story planned out since day one. This is what they wanted to do. Like they had a, a wide arcing story and you can guys can do a whole bunch of different things, but this is point a, this is point B. This is where we really want to convey in our story. 
Like they, they had the conclusion written a long, yeah. long time ago, which is interesting and good because they didn't really divulge that kind of information until not long ago. Like everyone's like, oh, like each director's doing their own thing. But no, like they had an A to B, which is is good. So it's I think it's a, it's a, it's a good point in, in for the Ray Skywalker theory. Well, no, I think they, they knew where it, ha- it had to end, where where it has to end. And then they, they, they give the reins and say, OK, get us from here to here. Now, well, and I think the conversation would go, I mean, we're jumping ahead here, but based on the reaction on Twitter, because people went crazy when Delilah S. Dawson, she said something to the effect that um, like she, she is writing a, a series of, of Skywalker books and she's, I, it's not going to work without the exact quote, but she said, she said, Anakin, Luke, Ray. And of course people said, oh, Ray's a Skywalker then. And people read right into what she was saying. She's like, Hey guys, I saw the same movie you did. I don't have any inside info. This is just the way I see things. So she's, it, it appears as though, and I, I want to stress that it appears as though Delilah S. Donson r- wrote her books w- with the understanding or the assumption that Ray is a Skywalker. And that set that, that, that went crazy on Twitter on f- Thursday or Friday of last week. People saying, <laughs> scoffing at the idea, like, no, 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 no. Like it's uh, imagine not watching a movie Imagine writing books without having seen The Last Jedi. Clearly, she is not a, Je- a a Skywalker. And I get that because I think Ryan Johnson, I think... Wanted I think to it, throw us off? Wanted At to least throw- this way, it's, it's like this way we get set up for that, like, poof in the face almost, you know? Well, sure. A whammy. And I wonder if maybe he didn't go to, if, if he went too far, maybe, in trying to specify that heroes can come from anywhere. Because the, the whole broom boy scene, right? That, oh, that, that's the exclamation point on it, I think, on on that theme. And I don't know if it's it's if that particular sequence gets diluted, if Ray become goes back to being a Skywalker. But I I like the the sword and the stone bit. Like Kylo thinks the saber belongs to him, and you got to consider that Snoke Snoke has filled his head with ideas of him being the heir apparent to Vader's legacy. Um. But it it wouldn't belong to Kylo if Luke had a child. No matter, even if Kylo is older than Rey, the the chain is it goes. It, the, Anakin's firstborn is the is the heir, and then his firstborn is the heir. So it's 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 Rey, it's Luke and Rey, and Kylo is factored out. So you know that's unless that's, unless can I can I throw a caveat here? Sure. Unless Kylo's the one who finds it before it gets back into Maz's hands, so maybe Kylo Kylo finds it. Like he put you know. the leg, yeah, he did all the legwork to dig it back up, and then he lost it because and it, then it was stolen from him, or or yeah, then then I would say okay, finders keepers. Like if it's tumbling through space, and, and he ends up finding it somehow. And then it's stolen from him. Then I would understand his motivation yeah, in saying, "Listen, that belongs to me. I found it. Oh, it belonged to my the tumbling saber." See, such yeah, intrigue. You know, it's a, such a tough mystery. break for Kylo, though. It's a, it's a really tough break for Ben or Kylo. Like he loses out on the on owning this heirloom outright because Uncle Luke made it to the exit ten seconds before his mom. That's it. <laughs> if if Leia had been b- born first. It would belong to Kylo. See, th- this is kind of odd because when you say it like that, it's really like 
um, you're looking at it from like monarchical and patriarchal systems, whereas this is a kyber crystal. Did you just whatever. call it monarchical? Money art, whatever, man. Patriarchal <laughs> systems. I don't, I don't, Uncle I mean, Arbuckle. Either way, I don't think the saber is necessarily like, oh, like, you know, like choosing people for lineage in a way. Like no, but it's this, it's, it's no, this I, mythological thing, concept that we just have to go with. Like, why is a sword oh, stuck inside very... a stone, and why is this little weakling orphan able to pull it? Because uh, the legend calls for that, so we, you swing with it. Of yeah, course, a... yeah, that I get. Do you? <laughs> yes. It's the whole, like, saying, because it came to her, Yeah, no. she's a Skywalker. It's like, the, it's like, genetically, it's like, oh, well... It's just like you guys broke it down. Like, well, because Kylo is, uh, although he's older than you, you're the first daughter of Luke and blah, 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 blah. I'm going to go to you first. Well, that would like, never, I don't think, I don't think to... that would ever get explained in the film. They would, I don't think they would ever go to that level of detail in the film. That's just, that's too tedious. Like that's, that's something that we get left to interpret later. But either way, the, the, her deep connection to the saber is something that, again, like, kind of speaks to the whole Skywalker thing. It's it's very odd that this this Sabres like chose her and gave her these visions and Well anyway, let, let's t- I like what what's being said here, but again, we, we and we've thrown out some of the challenges already and I'm not ready to flip-flop that easily, but let's 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 see if how else we can make this work. Like we we'd have to revisit again like Corey said, how did Rey get to Jakku? How did she end up with Unkar plot? Because unless she was kidnapped or kept a secret from, I think Carlos, you mentioned like maybe, uh, maybe Ray was kept a secret from Luke from it, from inception, right? Like maybe, maybe his Ray's mom got pregnant and said, Oh no, like I got to get out of here. I don't want my kid being part of this mess, but like some like sending sending your, your kid to Jakku is just it's it's a dirtbag thing to do. And there's no way in my mind that Luke would ever do that, even if he'd be like, nah, that's how I grew up. She'll be fine. Like that's no. <laughs> no. But maybe it's maybe it's time we revisit some old theories about Kylo having somehow dumped her there. And that she's his dirty little secret. That that was something I was big on at one point. That uh, you know, like Snoke poisoning Ben at a very young age telling him that he's the rightful heir and uh, unless your uncle Luke were to have a child. And of course, maybe Luke eventually does. And of course, Kylo has to act and be like, no, I- I'm the heir. I don't care about that little kid. I'm going to get rid of her, but he, he can't quite kill her. So he dumps her in, in the middle of nowhere. Maybe that's, maybe that's an option yet to come. What if Shmi had more than one kid? <sighs> wow. Can you imagine that? Another kid with palps? <laughs> I don't know, man. Because she is, she is, a, she is a Skywalker. She's the Skywalker. She is Skywalker. So Anakin Skywalker just gets that name because he came out of Shmi. There's no father, so he gets the name from his mother. So. There is a matriarchal thing happening, Corey. See how it's coming around now. And uh, well, hang mate- on, they're kind of rewriting that whole thing now. Like he, he, he might actually kind of have a father. Nah, just muddying the waters a little more. <laughs> nah. nah, it's just it's just muddying the waters for intrigue. 
it's it's uh Corey, I, Corey not, needs to I'm go listen there. to uh our, our last episode of journals of the willing we we broke that down <laughs> a little plug there i don't know it looked pretty obvious like no it didn't <laughs> no. <laughs> i don't know no pal- no uh, anyway I, I guess to each their own um Okay, so what what if like paralyzed between were you guys were we on something? I'm getting we're lost always here. on something. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, then plowing ahead. Uh, like imagine like paralyzed between um, the two choices of of stepping into what he believes to be his uh, versus betraying his family. He, like let's say Kylo murders Luke's wife while Luke is away. But again, can't can't follow through with killing his cousin. So he he wipes her memories and, and dumps her on Jakku, and then goes goes back to the temple. And and then what follows is Ben explaining to Luke that the temple was the temple was attacked. Uh, his wife and daughter were killed, and and Luke sort of senses Ben's conflict, and like the whole thing just starts this downward spiral. See, that, you you got to think that they that conversation would have been had in TLJ right away, like Luke explaining some stuff. To Ray, like how the Jedi Temple burned, like he gave her his version. Well, yeah, and and that's the big one for me. Like, why didn't Luke? If Luke is in the know, if he knows that she's his daughter, like why didn't he tell Ray in the Last Jedi? Like, considering how upset Luke was that Kenobi never told him the truth, and and if Ray is the daughter he thought he lost, like his reaction to her in the Last Jedi is is terrible. Unless he doesn't know it's her. Right? So maybe the solution, as explained by the folks at, at the Shadow Council, is is that Luke needs Rey to figure out who she is and what her destiny will be without her having to carry around Skywalker baggage. And it's it's it I guess it works. But there's there's a line of text in The Last Jedi that doesn't quite flow because when Rey tells Luke that she's from Jakku. He says, okay, that's pretty much nowhere. As if he really, truly had no idea who she is or where she's from. So mm-hmm. that that leaves the the mirror to the OT or yeah, to the OT of, of Luke just playing dumb, kind of like Yoda playing dumb when, when Luke gets to, to Dagobah. Like that to me, that just that simple line when the the delivery of the line, okay, Jakku, that's pretty much nowhere. It's delivered in such a way that Luke is no idea who this kid is. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like how you I said, the that. door was the door was open before the movie started, and the way it was written kind of makes it almost impossible. It's, yeah, it's it's close to impossible. Like I I don't want to like. There's some smart people out there. I'm a dummy when it comes to this sort of thing, and I'm just looking at this with a fairly with you know a pretty fair degree of tunnel vision. Someone well, can look- write their way out of this, but I boy I can't see it at this at, yet. I'm open to it, which is more than I can say like a week or two ago. But yeah, yeah, that's it. Like it's, it's the, a toughie. There's been a lot of like convincing arguments here. Like another thing, like if you think of it from this term, I think I mentioned a little earlier. Like that bolsters the argument for this is the kind of again the that double shade in a way. Like we all kind of expected more info on it on the previous two films. Without with having such a shady and mysterious past with her and no real big questions answered, 
Like there, there is a lot left to, on the table that they could kind of, I think in that case, had we gotten in TLJ, like, I don't know, like, um, there's something to look forward to still now, if it were to happen, it'd be like, <gasps> like, you know, that, that moment where it's just like, I thought it was absolutely impossible, but they, they did it, you know, like, like that, it's like, it's kind of builds toward that. If it were to happen, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. And whammy. Like, I don't I don't you know if if Luke was being cagey, and he knew who she was, he just didn't let on that she knew that he knew. Like I don't want to have to be asked to accept that because we've we Kenobi now has been we have to accept that Kenobi was being cagey on on Tatooine when he first encounters Luke and R two. Oh, I don't I don't know anything about you guys. He knows everything. Pantaloon, Pantaloon yeah, but I, you know what? That's kind of a theme in Star Wars because C three PO does the same thing. When they're on the Tantive Four, and uh, he tells R two, oh, "I don't know if the the princess can escape this time." And then, uh, first time the uh, the the hologram comes on, he's like, "Oh, I don't know. She was a passenger on our ship. Somebody of some importance." Yeah, he knows that she's a princess. Yeah, he knows, and he's not telling Luke. And then finally, they're, when they're on the Death Star, then R2 is uh, going nuts. She's here, she's here, the princess. He lets it slip. So is that poor writing? Yeah, that could be a, a, a closer to rookie Lucas not being ultra airtight. Hashtag not my, uh, <laughs> not, my not my new hope script. Hey, I, on, on a on a quick little tangent here, I think we touched on this last week, but Vader's whole like uh, cycle of coming around when he lands that ship on Tatooine, it's like everything's come full circle for him, right? Now imagine when he actually realizes it's C three PO two, the droid. Like that's got to be the double whammy for him again. <laughs> like, oh man, like it's all coming down. Now I sense it. Like these are the end times for me. Got another good three years, maybe. Yeah. Uh, again, so what if, what if, again, what if Ray was a daughter that he didn't know he had? Like, I don't that, know that's how the that only would way work. It makes sense. We can't rule it out. Like maybe, like I said, maybe Ray's mother took her to, to Jakku to shield her from Snoke and the dark side and all that stuff. And maybe she was pregnant, never told Luke. Like that, I think that's, a, that's an, I don't know if that's an easy way out. But it, it, yeah, it, it would we, clear things up and it would allow Luke to explain to Ray that had he known, things would have turned out differently. And it, it maybe it might bring back some of the warmth to the Luke and Ray relationship that we didn't get in The Last Jedi. Well, we got it at the end when he when he goes, she goes, oh, I felt him. He passed, but it wasn't painful. It was peaceful. Like she feels a connection to him. Like she yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she understands him a little more. I think. Yeah, I like that. Just but we don't we don't get to see. Luke with Ray, like every oh. every time we saw Luke with Ray, it was frosty. Like there's no father daughter love there. I don't know. I think it would be a stretch, man. It, it would be. It, it would. They would have to ask me to do a lot of mental gymnastics to accept what um, that Luke didn't know. I, I understand. First of all, Ray is not a real name. Second of all. Uh, she's from Jakku, but she was brought there and she doesn't know where she's originally from. So, yeah, there's a lot of um, 
there's a lot of ribbons that are have been cut so there's no way to really go back to the beginning yeah no, it's 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 interesting because she watches the ship fly away in that vision from the force awakens presumably with her parents on it but yet they're also apparently buried in the in the desert in a pauper's grave there's a lot going on that's yeah. like there's there's that, yeah yeah there's some lies or there's just some, yeah there's just some weird things afoot still that's it like to me like i think they could have alluded to things just a little a tad bit more like again i was saying earlier that in tfa i really got the assumption that snoke and kylo have heard about this girl or things have been foretold about her that she would eventually show up and screw things up and it's like they they seem to know something she doesn't which i liked and we didn't really see too much of that in uh in the last, last jedi, jedi. But in The Last Jedi, it kind of gets taken back a bit even more when Snoke says, you know, uh, the light rises to meet the dark. I assumed it was going to be Skywalker. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, right then, it kind of takes away from the whole, like, did they know who she really was? And then she, of her utmost importance? Because if he was trying to get her and they, they felt a, like they had to put her into hiding, whoever had her, then... Yeah, I don't know. Then it doesn't really make too much sense anymore. Like to me, it comes back to it comes back to what something that you said earlier was um, how Kylo knows who she is, and Snoke seems to know that there's a girl around, and maybe there's Mace Window opens up the door. Um, when he says, "If the prophecy is true." And then Yoda says a prof a prophecy that misread could have been right. So oh, yes. So maybe there's more to that. You know, maybe it's like an Indiana Jones and the Temple uh, and and uh, <laughs> Indiana Jones and the uh, the Last Crusade, where they only have half of the parchment. Maybe there's only half of the prophecy, and it the completion of the prophecy is the girl who comes to restore balance to everything. I like where you're going with this, man. Like, honestly, I've always been a big advocate of that. Like, I think prophecies are always meant to serve those who are reading them. The Sith had their version. The the Jedi had their version. And they're all all visions, too, in, in, in Star Wars. They're, they're very hard to read. Nothing's set in stone. Like, we learned that in Rebels. Like, like, things can get flipped on your head real quickly. And it's, like, not exactly at all what you thought from originally, you know? Well, the prophecy is about destroying the Sith, right? And I think it's it's a very one very good reason why they've gone to lengths to to make it clear that Kylo and Snoke are not Sith. And I also really strongly believe, with all my heart, that they will not retcon or even give the illusion of retconning Lucas. No, so, they'll definitely they will not have any prophecy talk or anything like that, but. I don't know. We could see something, some some interesting stuff. I mean, they they could make Ray restore balance and never mention prophecy, never mention chosen one, and then at the end of the day, we'll say, well, Ray is the one that brought balance, but you know, she's not. Well, it, it, the, but the prophecy was already closed off, and this is just a separate piece building onto that. Well, again, nothing's been alluded to yet. Maybe a bit in books. We don't know what the Emperor exactly was exactly uh, up to. We know of Anakin's importance, right? So 
that article, it always comes back to that for me. I think this this is a, a real double whammy again. If they were to take Ray and make her a clone of Anakin, Oof. not tit for tat genetically, obviously the female version where she went on her own. She had the same kind of upbringing, kind of, you know, she turned out to be this great person, just like Anakin originally was. And yeah, man, I, I like at that point, like it plays into she is still a Skywalker, like everything's coming full circle. And like she can throw that in Kylo's face, like, yo, like I am Vader. Like, wake up, <laughs> like, see the light. Mm, man, that would be that'd be real tough. But all this I think all of this is tough at this point. But again, it's like sticking with the uh <clears throat> the idea of, of hiding information from people. You know, Leia admits in Bloodline to having made a mistake by not telling Ben the truth about his lineage. You think? <laughs> yeah, so so between nobody telling Luke Nobody telling Ben Solo, you know, there, there's two counts of hiding the, the truth for various reasons where the second time around, you really should have known better. And then to do it again by potentially not having Luke tell Ray in The Last Jedi when he, if, if he knows that's his daughter and at some point he doesn't say, oh, by the way, Ray, our connection goes a little deeper than you might think. Like that's, that would be egregious to me. And I, and I know that Star Wars likes to mirror and rhyme with itself but if if they do this it just shows to me that luke and leia didn't learn a thing and that's oof, that, that would be a tough one to, to, to for me to I, reconcile I think, uh, let, let, let's be honest here we have to know that uh maz Kanata is not just another throwaway character there's, she's way more important than they've let on so far because she finds the saber and she tells Ray that the people she she knows the force she's like this OT's Yoda yep okay so she she knows of the force and she she calls out Finn and she tells Ray but the people that she thinks that are coming back for her are never coming back. But there is somebody who can. And Ray says Luke. So maybe there's a miscommunication in the movie or it's all meant just to make us go nuts until we finally see that last movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it's, it, it's there's I think Maz Kanata plays a bigger part than what we're giving credit for. Uh, at this point right now and obviously we're not trying to spoil episode nine and like we're not trying to figure out exactly what's happening but you know i don't want to know the movie before i see it but but at a certain point there's there's certain questions that need to be answered or this is going to be a complete and utter failure of a trilogy yeah they're they're walking a tightrope tightrope here like they've they've got them this has got to work this this as- key aspect of of this uh, the sequel trilogy has to work. It has to make sense. Um. So okay. Here here's another thing. So if, if unless Luke didn't know, Ray was his daughter. Like here's wow. Think of this one, guys. If Luke knows that Ray is his daughter and he hasn't said anything, think of that tantrum he has in the Last Jedi when when he throws her off the island when he catches her with Kylo in the hut. Like to throw out your daughter, the one that you're concealing this heavy secret from, and you you're like, get off this island, 
get out of here now. Like, if you're going to toss her out, evict her for cozying up to Kylo, you need, that's the point where you need to say, that's your cousin, dude. Like, you have to tell her that at that point. Like, you're the guy that had his sister cram her tongue down your throat. <laughs> Listen, I ain't having no flipper grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> What's that from? That 70s show. Yeah. The flipper. Yeah, the flipper. <laughs> I was red telling him because he wants to like totally hook up with his cousin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Like Luke of all people should know how awkward that is. So at that point, he should have like instead of throwing his daughter off the island, he should have said, listen, Ray, that you no, no, I don't know what's going on there. That looked pretty intimate. That's your cousin. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> you know, to really drive the point home, me and your mom a couple of times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like that's that's weird. That's weird, man. So that's why I, I think this whole thing, it's its really difficult at this point to make Rhea Skywalker or D- Luke's daughter. Yeah, because there were so many opportunities, right? Yeah. And boy, like I said, I, I was sure after TFA that she was, and I was sure the story would, then I was sure that the story would be better off that she, if she wasn't. And they, then, they, then you think, well, your first instinct is usually right. Is that true here? I don't know. My, my feet are up in the air, but... The, the last thing That's I want it. to say on this, or, um, I don't know if we should overlook this. And we kind of touched on it before, but we know that they're pulling from Lucas's sequel trilogy treatment at least a little bit. And we know that his story centered on Anakin's grandkids. So we're halfway there with Kylo and we've been given this path by the, by the shadow council that, you know, we could be, we're halfway there that we could be getting all the way there with Ray. And I think Corey, you specifically touched on this. Like, we haven't had the shock of an I am your father moment yet in this trilogy. And I, I don't know if, if Snoke telling Kylo that, you know, the, the Falcon is back in the hands of your father. Like, was that supposed to be the big moment for us to go, oh, my God, Han Solo is, is Kylo's dad. But it didn't land with that kind of impact. At least at least it didn't for me. Like, I think everybody saw that coming. So we're still I did, but it still was a was a nice. I think by and large, we're still waiting for that shock moment, right? Hell yeah. So so Luke have, Luke having to deliver that news to Ray could scratch that itch. But it would, I guess it would be sort of the inverse in, in terms of shock. Like we would be relieved more than shocked, I think, at that point. And, and happy for the Skywalkers that they actually have Ray on their side. You know, and it might, it might give us the opposite feelings of learning about... And again... Like not not having to depend on your lineage. Like even Luke, he didn't necessarily know that Vader was his father, but he knew his father was a great Jedi. Kylo knows the whole deal now, and he's like, you know, like he wants to live up to that lineage. So like her not knowing, be, deciding who she is, it makes a lot of sense to that point as well. Yeah, it sure does, man. Like, but in the long run, I don't want to see Luke die a virgin. <laughs> so, <laughs> for me, for it to work gotta have to have like him not in the know whatsoever she had to have been hidden whoever had her yeah but you would know wouldn't you i I mean i don't know like that's hard no i don't think no no i don't think you could see a kid especially at her age and be like you look familiar kind of somewhat no but it's not look it's the fact that she's there she comes to you with her saber leia sent her to you 
Um, I haven't seen this. Uh, I've only seen this power once before in his nephew. Like, th- there's too many through lines. There's there's too much like. Like, making, how do you not make look, at least? You make it look look, look look stupid. Yeah, like you're putting all these carrots in front of his face, and he still can't see the answer. Like you're, you know, you're. you're <laughs> can you spell dog? I'll give you the D and the G. Can you finish the word? You know, and Luke can't do it. So you make Luke. You might. You run the risk of making Luke look really stupid if if he if he's staring his at his daughter and doesn't know it's her. There are ways to do it. Unless he was cloned, unless you know, there's a lot of that. I mean, but other than that, man, it's it's a tough it's a tough pill pill to swallow. Like and I, the way I, lo- I love the idea of her being a Skywalker and, and carrying on that through line, but. The Last Jedi went, I think, really far in in taking that option off the table. There's still a way back. I'm not. I'm never going to rule it out. I just. I think she is a Skywalker, but just from a different lineage that goes all the way back to Shmi. That would be fascinating. Do they have time to explain to set that up? Oof, that would be that yeah. would be something. Holy cow, that would be something. So anyway, like I said, I, I'm I'm open to this, and I'm listen. In a way, I really want this to work because if the, if it works, Raylo is dead. That is gone if she ends up being actually Kylo's cousin. What if Vader actually, you know, that 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 lady on on Corellia who wants the Quaxium and uh, right before uh, Han and and Kira get separated in the booth. You know? In the booth, yeah. What if like uh, Vader and the, the toll booth chick uh, got it on one time and. And she she's carrying another lineage. That would be another Skywalker. But there was a thing once upon a time. I don't know if it was official concept art or if it was fan art, but it it, it resonated. It, it was somebody who was it, it was a a junk dealer who was selling. It was Luke's severed hand. They'd recovered it. And they were selling it to somebody. I, the details escape me. But what if they pull from that somehow and somebody cloned Ray using Luke's DNA or something? Yeah. That, that's that's very sci-fi. I don't, I don't know if that strays too far from fantasy into sci-fi. But they got to do something. There's got If they're going to do this, they've got some work to do to, to iron it all out. And the crazy thing is, the answer is in the can already, guys. Yep. The the answer is known. People know what the answer is by now. Uh, but anyway, so I, I'm open to it, uh, which is more than I can say I was uh, a couple weeks ago. So yeah, because you were you were dead set against it after like uh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But I, I was also dead set for it after seeing TFA. Yeah, exactly. So either this it's, is oh. and it's this is either really being really well executed by by Lucasfilm. Or really badly executed. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we can't. We won't know until we see it. That's that's my fear. Is I really don't know. Yeah, because I mean, based on, again, based on the reaction out there on Twitter, like people just scoff at this right now, and I, I think it's it's first of all, it's silly. We're talking about a movie. Don't get so so uh, attached. Don't get so to, to so attached to the theories. Um, but also. I think the the Venn diagram of people who scoff at this this particular thought and Raylos is pretty close to a circle. Because I think there's a lot of people pulling for Raylo, 
And if if Luke is Ray's father, it ain't gonna happen. So they're gonna try. They're gonna they're gonna turn their nose up to that theory no matter what. Uh, but anyway, good chat, gents. <laughs> Man, yeah. And again, brought a lot of uh, good conjecture and and basis supports from uh, the Star Wars Shadow Cancel. So again, I'll link to the to the, some of the pieces. Go check them out if you if you've got some time. I would seriously recommend you know 10 15 minutes here and there to to read what they've written it's it's really good stuff all right guys we are done with that conversation um just lastly here carlos is is ray going to be a skywalker uh in the uh spirit of uh, the state the great state of new york uh during the uh 1776 summit with the states i abstain sir i abstain from answering this question <laughs> And you get a history lesson too. Holy smokes. Uh, Corey, you care to answer this one? Not in your typical sense. I'll say that. I think the possibility is still there somehow. I don't think she's Luke's daughter. Wow. Hmm, Okay. Uh, I will say, oh man, I will say that she, they're going to do it. I'll say it. I'll put my neck out there for now. I'll say that they make Rhea Skywalker somehow and that we get to wrestle with the fallout of, of that reveal all right let us know what you guys think out there is ray a skywalker can it work will it work let us know read those articles first though yeah well sure get informed or don't whatever <laughs> <laughs> tldr don't you know uh, let me let me just plug here our Patreon program and our powerful friends. I, I just wanted to thank all our patrons uh, for supporting us. It's it's the start of a new month, and so um, yeah, it's, it's it's a good time to say thanks to everybody there for being a powerful friend. And if you're listening to this on the main feed, did you know that you can get this podcast earlier, 36 hours earlier than what you currently have it, and a whole bunch of other podcasts? If you like us and want to support what we do, head over to patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and support us. Uh, tiers start at just $2 a month, and they go up to $5 a month. And we have a ton of stuff there waiting for you. We've got some great stuff planned for later this year, and we very much hope to see you there. So check it out, patreon.com slash tumblingsaber. Be a powerful friend. Like Mike. Mike Russo brings us a question this week. Uh, a really, really good one. So we're going to rank our Star Wars movies in, in a bit of a different fashion. So Mike's question is, on the basis of cinematography and sound design only, how would you rank the Star Wars movie? Star Wars movies. While The Last Jedi should hold the number one slot and A New Hope the last slot because it's the oldest and most dated, its filming techniques were state-of-the-art in its day and set the precedent for sci-fi movies going forward. It should place higher up. Love to hear how you guys rank them. And this coming from Mr. Mike Russo, Gundark2000 on Twitter. Thanks, Mike. This Guys, I love this question. I love it. It's, it's again, like most questions, really tough to answer, as, as ranking Star Wars movies always is. But Mike's asking us to give our own subjective rankings of all the movies based on how they look and sound, but weighed against the time in which they were made. So we have to leave our, our feelings about the story at the door, but factor in that era that they come from because that makes a difference. So, uh, and again, like depending on how, how you watch the movies, like that will dictate how your list shakes out. Like for me, like every time I watch a star Wars movie, 
I make every effort to watch it in my home theater. And that's, but that's just me. I'm a snob that way. Like every, not everybody has a home theater setup. Not everyone cares to have one. And for some people like iPad laptop with earbuds is, is plenty and that's fine too. But you know, for all the different formats and, and ways that you'll watch it in between those two extremes, you'll get something out of it. So if you're not watching with like full surround sound or Dolby Atmos and you just take in two channel stereo, like you will definitely have wildly different answers than, than someone who watches like I will. But let, uh, let's see how this shakes out. Corey, hit us with your number 10 on your list. Oof. I thought we were just doing saga films, to be honest, but, uh, hmm. <laughs> Let me just add the Mike, other Mike tricked us by saying, how would you rank the Star Wars movies? Um... There's only two other movies. It's not hard. You just slot them in. I'm trying to think if they like surpass the gravitas of the other films. I don't know. Um, okay, I'll give it number 10. Uh, honestly, they're, they're going to kind of almost closely fall in line uh, the way I like the films too. I mean, cinematography and sound design, right? So Attack of the Clones never stood out for me on either sense. I mean, I really liked Across the Stars, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, well, sound sound effects. How how do those strike you? There's a cool I think, scene. I think, I, mean, I think we're talking more sound effects and and the way it's all the sound is all layered together. Well, I really did like the asteroid chase. Like that that that's some good stuff. That's a good way to pump your sound system. But uh, so, Attack of the Clones is your number ten. Yeah. All right. So let we'll we'll do this quickly because you know. We've got 10 movies to deal with here and it's already, it's, it's already marching on towards midnight. So let's, let's go. Carlos, what is your number 10? Uh, Return of the Jedi. I'm right there with you. Like I, I, yeah, I don't think it's all that special in terms of cinematography and sound design. Like, like all the movies, it has its moments, but yeah, just, just nothing super spectacular about that movie yeah. for me. Yeah. Because the score is not into, taken into effect here. Correct. So, so uh, if the score is taken into effect, then it's a different story. Then there's a little bit of a closer race, but no, uh, it's 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 at the bottom of my list. Likewise. All right, Corey, number nine. Uh, number nine for me is Return of the Jedi as well. Kind of just, uh, <laughs> a little underwhelming. Like, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I love the film so much, but there's nothing that really particularly stands out except for like the Death Star throne room, maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's more a... score than, than sound design. I think. Well, it's, it's the set design and the cinematography of the staircases and the, the visuals that I really liked. Eh. Yeah, I, I, I like the mood inside Jabba's palace. Like they really made that look dingy, but I think that's the visually most unique part of the, of that movie. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, Carlos, number nine. Uh, number nine for me is A New Hope. Uh, it's six years older than Jedi. Uh, it's still ahead of Jedi, I think, for what it accomplished um, for the special effects. I think uh, they were actually applied better than what we saw on screen for, for Return of the Jedi. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit ahead. Fair enough. Uh I got Attack of the Clones coming in at nine. Like I, I think there's some 
really great sound work and some some of the visuals are striking too but none of it's aging well enough and and, and not there's not enough truly great stuff for me to push it any higher like the seismic charges when you ask about what's cool about attack of the clones oh the seismic charge effect that's for me it's not enough and i i, I really dislike the asteroid chase in that movie like it's to me it's just it's overly jerky and it's it's claustrophobic i, I don't like the way that was shot it's a really bright, colorful movie in, in some places, and it, it's slick and glossy in others. But uh, ba- Battle of Geonosis doesn't do it for you? No, not at all. I don't like the way that, that battle looks. Uh, Corey, number eight. Uh, let's go with uh, Return of the Sith. Which movie Oof. is that? Revenge of the Sith, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, again, like there's some really great visuals and stuff in that film, and the score is really good too. But I think uh, a lot of the other films coming up just kind of caught my eye a bit more. All right, fair enough. Carlos, near number eight. Uh, number eight is going to be uh, Empire Strikes Back. All for yeah. So you've got the OT basically at the bottom for, I guess, for obvious reasons. Things look dated. Things look like they were on shoestring budgets. Yeah, and uh, I mean, uh, look, of the three, uh, Empire is by far the best. So, um, yeah, but I mean, if we're going to be honest, you know, I, th- I think it's normal that those three are on the bottom, especially when it comes to cinematography and for sound design. Uh, granted, the other movies... Um, have a template to work with because of what they did in the OT. So I understand that, but still at the end on the basis of cin- cinematography and sound design, then those are my, uh, my bottom three. Yeah, fair enough. I- I've got them. Obviously I've got my, the OT a bit higher, but uh, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, my number eight and like, I'm already at the hair splitting stage. Like this, this is really hard, but, th- and this will get some people mad at me, but I'm going with solo at eight. Oof. Like I, I like the way it looked. Like it, for me, it, it comes across as, as dim in some areas. Like I, the the conveyor sequence is great. Uh, I liked most of the scenes on Vandor. Trident ship also really really. Stunning. Yeah, like that doesn't do anything for me. Like I, I when I say it, I, it doesn't do anything for me, it's not that I'm sitting here trying to fast forward through those scenes or, or looking away. It's fine. It just it doesn't it didn't strike me as wow. Look at the way they shot that. Uh, you know, it's it's got its own style. But, uh, you know, and it is the the freshest movie on the list. Hey, hey, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, moving on. Um, Yeah, like, again, I I, I don't want this to come across as a criticism of the movie. It's it's a perfectly good, fine, fun film. It's just, yeah, people raved about the cinematography. Uh, In some sequences, I got it. In others, I was like, I I don't quite see it. Corey, number seven. I'm uh, right there with you, man. I'm at uh, my number seven is Solo. Same kind of deal. Like, uh, Convex was cool. The Empty's Nest scenes. Like, uh, the end is ending, you know, on the planet uh, with the transfer and when Lando's taking off and all that. Like, But nothing, again, that really struck me. And again, like, we're also talking about, about the sound design, too. And almost nothing about the sound design of the movie jumped out to me. That's true too. I mean, there was the explosion at the beginning, but 
when the the question the hits, yeah. hits yeah. the mountain. Yeah, that's yeah. freaking awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Yeah, that's a really cool like destroying the side of a mountain. That's that's pretty rad. But yeah, there's like nothing jumps out to me from a sound design aspect that makes me go, oh wow, that's that 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 bumps it up the list. Uh, Carlos, you're number seven. Is Phantom Menace? Ding ding ding! We landed in the same spot. That's the second time now. Yep. Yeah, like for for me, like the the vistas we get of Tatooine, Naboo, Coruscant, the the skyline of Coruscant, like, and oh, the the Senate chamber. Like those yeah. those visuals prop the movie up, and uh, like from the audio side, it's the pod race. That was you know listening to that at full volume is just that represents everything George wanted to include in these movies, like speed racing, fast engines. Moloch's speeder actually sounds like Sebulba. If if you actually, like, yeah, there's, 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 a, there's a chug. It's got that yeah. chug to it. <clears throat> yeah, Phantom Menace, right there. Uh, Corey, number six. My number six is the Phantom Menace. All right, we're 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 kind of on the same page. Yeah, I mean, I I like this film. Like, I don't want to. Again, none of us are criticizing them, and I think it was really revolutionary when you look at it from the standpoint of. Being the first film of the prequels, it should almost rank higher in the list. But uh, yeah, definitely the best of the prequels for me, or most memorable. Uh, Carlos, <clears throat> you're num- uh, you are we're at number six now. Yeah, Carlos, number six. Attack of the Clones. Ooh, it jumped up. See, I like this. Yeah. Scrubbing out the the fact that you, it's your least favorite by far, and moving up the list because something struck you, audio or visual wise. Well, I mean. It came out in 2002. There, there's it, it, there's advancements. There, there's a, there's a, there's filters and things that you see on screen that are better than what you saw in The Phantom Menace. Hands down. I think it's just... Um, I'm not taking the script into account. I'm not taking uh, 3PO bumbling yeah, around you take, into account. Take, take the technology, though. Like, the times also should play a role in this, you know? Do not tell me how... To answer the question. Well, did you read the question? Like, I did. And I'm answering it for what? The ba- on the basis of cinematography and sound design. That's it's, it. Yeah, but it's, it's, plain comple- it's completely subjective, Corey. That, that's it's my list is going to be completely different from yours, and we're all gonna have different lists for different reasons. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh number six, I have The Force Awakens. And I, the Jakku Star Destroyer graveyard, that is, yeah. oh, I love that. That that's like right up there with the entire saga for me. Um, and then like that, it, it kicked everything into a high gear for this new era of Star Wars movies. Like the 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 the, the pin and, the pin and full uh, escape from the Star Destroyer, this freaking awesome scene, man. Like uh, there's so much beautiful, beautiful. St- like I said, that the first half hour of that film is just stunning, man. Gorgeous. The, well, the light, the lighting on the catwalk with Han and yes. Kylo. That's visual storytelling at its best. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's cinematography. Yeah, it's and, great. Yeah, audio wise, like the movie doesn't take my breath away from that from that standpoint, but it's 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 quite good. Uh, Corey, number five. My number five is TFA. Like Kyle just said, Jakku, so cool. A lot of like memorable shots. Uh, the music, really good. So, or sound design. So, yeah. 
All right, Carlos, number five. My number five is Solo. What what's selling it for you there? Uh, I liked I I I liked it. Uh, there were like the, the scenes on Kessel were unimpressive. They felt like a smaller Jetta. Um, with some puddles. I, yeah, I, I just wasn't really impressed with that. Um, what, what what planet do they go to refine the uh, the the Quaxium on? Oh man, I for, I forget the name. Anyways, it just that that whole dusty side of like, can, you know what? I'm with Anakin, man. I hate sand too. <laughs> <laughs> and, I forget the uh, name of that place. It's it, uh, this is what it's like to to know an answer, be on like to be on Jeopardy, know the answer, but freeze. You lock up like a deer in the headlights. You can't get it out. Yeah, it's it's there. It's on the tip of my tongue. But uh, anyways, it doesn't matter. It's uh, it's not to say that it's bad. It's just no. Oh, it's just that's where that's where it falls on my list. Yeah, hey, there's there's no right or wrong answers. Um, I got for number five. I have Empire. Like I I think they just did some really great things in terms of setting. Uh, mood and atmospherics like like the winds of hoth and like the blues and oranges of the carbon freeze chamber like it just they just did such a good job of conjuring mood mm. in this movie and like the way they shot so we go back to a new hope and we look at that opening shot with the intro of the star destroyer like this one kilometer long ship or however long it, it is cruising in overhead and you're like holy cow like these are the biggest things in the galaxy and then the way they overshadowed that in Empire and you see the the reveal of the Super Star Destroyer, like my brains were were blown apart. It, they still are when I when I see that the way they shot that, like the way the shadows kind of creep over everything. I, I love it so much. Can I say something about Empire? The reason why it was lower on my list is because when you watch Cloud City now, you see the windows and, and the, the, the pinks and oranges. But when I grew up, watching it it was just a plain white hallway yeah so that i i'm judging it by by the original theatrical releases as opposed to the special editions okay yeah we didn't specify which one to use i guess you use the one that's most ingrained in your in your head yeah it's just when i think of empire that's what i think of and when i see the uh, it's like i I, it takes me out of of my nine-year-old body and it's like, oh yeah, they they fixed that, or they they changed that. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, and it's not, and, and I'm not crapping on the movie at all. I'm and and I really like what they did with the, uh, especially an Empire with the. I, I, there's not one thing, maybe a little bit too much Wampa, but besides that, like, uh, it, it was a it was a perfect uh, way to, uh, to 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 fix the to make that that movie special. But uh, overall. The cinematography, like considering nobody saw that in a cinema. Well, no, that's not true. We saw it in '97. But anyways, uh, I digress. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Empire did some special things, but it's the original theatrical release that that had me put it eight. That's fine, uh, Corey. We're getting to the top four here. It's getting serious. What do you got? My number four is going to be Rogue One, just because, yeah, the visuals are great in that film. Um, like, a lot of, like, memorable shots, and I'm going to give props to Michael Giacchino as well, just because of the short time span he had to work with. I always yeah, thought that, that was that really... That has nothing to do with the question, though. What are you talking about? 
Well, uh, sound design's not the score. No, right? si- no, it's not the score at all. No. But cinematography wise, like definitely like it's visually enticing, like the shots of the the Death Star at, at certain points, you know, when like when it's looming over Jeddah. That's that's some good stuff, man. Like uh, the silhouette above Scar- uh, Scarif, yeah, so good. Oh, that shot is, oh, that shot's crazy. Yeah, when you you see it pop up, it's like you don't you don't see it in hyperspace or anything like that, and it's just there. You're like, well, oh, like dear. The, the way they shot that with like the eclipse, and then the way the Death Star just on Jeddah, Jeddah, Jeddah yeah. City, and the way the city just explodes. Yeah. Oh man, that's genius. I just love how big it is in the orbit of Jedha. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's enormous. And it's like see-through too, you know, it's like so moon-like. It's amazing. Absolutely. Uh Carlos, you're number four. Uh, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Yep. It's getting just, serious. Yeah, I mean uh, all the, the Coruscant scenes uh leading up to the 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 attack on the Jedi Temple. And uh obviously um Mustafar, the, the 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 battle on Mustafar, just fantastic, and yeah, it's just I mean even the opening sequence, holy cow, that movie was great. It's like cinematography for that that movie, that was really really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number four is the Last Jedi, and if we if we were being to ask to grade these movies or rank them solely based on how they look, I think this would probably be my might be my number one. Like there's there's dozens of shots that I'd love to just freeze frame, print and and have framed up on my wall. Like everything on crate is just just blows my mind. Uh, everything like everything from the moment Luke emerges from the mine to the moment he fades away, like it's all frame worthy. And the the final shot of Broom Boy, love it. And then but but what drags it down for me is is the audio, which eh, doesn't do a whole lot for me. There's, it's it's the audio mix, the design. For me, it's not not a whole lot going on there. Uh, that's number four, Corey. Number three. Yeah, well, I'm right there with you, TLJ. Uh, for the exact same reasons, like throne room. I mean, God, the showdown on crate. Just visually, so cool, and I mean. Sound design wise, again, there's nothing that super stands out to me, but just those moments in the film alone invoked such, uh, I don't know, like the hold a maneuver. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was good. That was a striking. It was, it was the lack of sound that made that. Yeah. So yeah. Kind of... I like that. Well, like the, so many people thought that the, like the, the cinema they were in was broken because the sound all yeah. jo- drops out. But no, it was by design. So cool. Uh, that, course, that's your, your number three. Yep. Carlos. The Force the... Awakens. Look at you giving props to the movies you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's nothing in the, in the question about script. I know. <laughs> so, All that stuff gets scrubbed away. Yeah, it's no, but it's it's great. Like we were talking about the the the, the graveyard, the Star Destroyer graveyard scene and uh, the escape from the Star Destroyer and uh, even the Star Killer base kind of felt like it was on a smaller set, actually, when you look back on it. But in theater, was was completely stunning. And then uh, you had um, uh, landing on Act Two at the end, 
was oh, yeah yeah it was just oh yeah great really really good and you know the the, the ray and kylo fighting in the forest with the snow falling yep that that whole sequence is is incredible too dan mendel i think is the cinematographer so i i hope he i hope he pulls some magic for episode nine too uh my number three is a new hope and I, it's largely because it, it's the budget like considering the budget and the era it came from like what lucasfilm managed to put together is a it's a damn miracle you know if if we were just grading this if if era was not a factor it would probably be further down the list but man like lucas and, and friends squeezed every damn penny out of the what i think it was 10 or a million dollar yeah, 10 or 11 i can't remember the budget but it was like 10 or 11 million bucks yep and and that to me gets it up onto the podium and it does have some great shots like the opening shot like i mentioned before the the tent of four with the star destroyer being uh, chasing it genius done like that gets on the list or high up the list on its own and then just think of all the visuals that impacted you as a kid like there's so many things to hear and see in this movie it's like and and i think even more important than the than the visual is the audio like everything that's cool about star wars from an audio standpoint comes from a new hope oh sure like seismic charges and other one-offs notwithstanding but lightsabers tie fighters x-wing the falcon r2 r2 everything like little just the way a droid moves like you can hear the little servos moving it's everything about star wars that sounds cool comes from a new hope so that for me it's 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 right on the podium uh cory you're number two my number two is going to be empire strikes back just because i i don't think i've ever had another movie invoke and cite such emotion in me like from a visual standpoint like you had just mentioned earlier kyle like that carbon freeze room that hallway the black and white the scaffolding with the i am your father moment like uh i don't know like from a visual and cinematography uh anyway whatever (laughs) yeah just such a such a solid solid film from that standpoint like it just upped its game so much from a new hope like the budget expanded and they really you know they they put their heart and soul into it again you know like you had said hoth uh there's so many things and the sounds in that movie like the the at ats so good like just i don't know i've never had a film to this day still like strike me so much visually and like in like give me these memories from uh, childhood you know absolutely i i can completely see that uh carlos your silver medal winner the last jedi all right i think it's 2017 2018 i think it's uh 2017 when it came out and there's a reason why it's uh it's it's really good it's crazy what 200 million dollars can get you yeah exactly but i mean you got to do it i mean i I, uh have we all seen uh, justice league okay so uh you could throw a lot of money at something but you still kind of raise somebody's cgi mustache so there's (laughs) there's there's uh 
you can you can have the budget, but you can do the right things with it. And I think they really did the right thing. Like Leia on crate looking through the big the big ass door. Oh, like just the shot of her eyes. Yes. Yeah. Like, yes. Come on, man. Uh, you know the um, uh, Ray shooting through three Tie Fighters with one shot. Hello. Uh, just gorgeous, gorgeous shots, man. Just gorgeous shots. Luke grabbing that pole and going to the other side of the, the other cliff. Like just that. Just the I, opening I, shot too, where they're coming down through the fleet. That's so good. The first time I saw it in the theater, I like my, my stomach went into my throat a bit, you know? Yeah. That yeah was, no, that's, that's gorgeous. a gorgeous. That's a great shot too. The, the, the resistance bombers blowing up and, and how they blow up in sequence to the bombs inside them. Like, well, the, the way those bombers make their entrance too. Yeah, it's just it's gore. I mean, it's stupid, stupid, <laughs> yeah. stupidly written. So, guys, uh, can we go any slower? Hang let's on, keep, let's keep it tight. Bombers, go ahead. Fighters, protect the bombers, and then they all explode. Like it's stupid, but <laughs> but it doesn't change the fact that it's gorgeous. It looks, yeah, it look, it looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, my silver medal winner is Rogue One. I, I just, I, the shots of Jeddah, they're just nuts. Like the pulling away to reveal that fallen Jedi monument. That yeah. just got such a response out of me. It says so much. And you get that, like, what's that? Uh, oh, the sitar or something like that, you know? The bow, like in the background, when you see like the statues and stuff. Like, yeah, I, yeah. Again, I'm leaving the soundtrack off to the side, but it, it all plays a role. But, just that that one shot, seeing that Jedi monument, it just it says so much about where the Jedi once were, where they've fallen to, and just like the state of the galaxy as a whole. Like it's it that that one shot, which really means nothing, just pulled such a response out of me. And just like the the clarity and, and framing of the space battle above above Scarif. The go- for me, it's the gold standard of space battles in the saga. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love it. Like it just puts you right in the middle of it. And you know, I, I don't think the sound design is, is groundbreaking, but it, it's it's optimized, I I would say. And it just it it it's just a great cinematic experience for me for me. Oh yeah. Uh Corey, the gold medal goes to A New Hope. Wow. Just, yeah, just again, like I'm on the same page as Mike in the sense where I'm looking at everything from when they were made. And this film, like you had said, Kyle, it has it all. It the sound wise, incredible. Like it just created all these iconic sounds. Tie Fighter being at the bottom of the list, most likely. Um, but it's just completely revolutionary for the budget it had, and cinematography wise, like Twin Suns. Come on, need I say more? Like ah, just so good, man. Like being at Moss Eisley. Again, like just so much new stuff. Like George Lucas always had a like a vision for stuff like this, and I don't know that budget, everything combined, uh, it has to be number one. Like J Dub, him, like the crew, completely iconic, and it just Ben Burt, Ben Burt. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> other way. Just it set the precedent, man. Just like Mike said. So yeah, there can be no other man. Number one. Oh, there can be another, and it's Rogue One. And uh, 
just from every single sequence, just that that Krennic shuttle going through the rings of of, uh, of that planet to to, to get the gamers. No, Kafreen is 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 another scene. I'm talking about Krennic shuttle at the beginning. There's he's actually going through the rings of a planet. Lamu. Oh, to get to, to... Lamu. Yes. Yes. To get to Galen Urso. and uh, just that op- that opening shot was like I was hooked. It's so confusing I, you know the I'm first time of... you see it. I remember that so well. It's like, like, what the f- are we what? Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry. It's like, what are we seeing here? You know, like it was crazy. <laughs> Uh, like honestly though, I, I watched it again last week with my kid for the first time. He saw it for the first time, you know, and that did that really stood out for me because like even the shadow from the planet, you know, it like throws you off. Yeah. No, it's it's great. Uh, can I continue now? Or no, no, no. no. Okay, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> you you want to s- sneak another f bomb or three in there? <laughs> don't don't do it. <laughs> So, so I was, uh, as I was saying, um, I don't, then when we do get to the ring of Kafreen, we've never seen that on screen before. No, it's wild. Uh, there's nothing, even, even on, on Idu, uh, in the rain, you're able to hide a lot of stuff, it being in the dark, but the, uh, the Imperial facility in the cliff, it's just, there's not one thing about. I'm I'm mad at myself that I didn't watch it more in the theater. That 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 that's how good this movie is. Cinematography, uh, the sound design. I don't I, I don't know how, how I can judge that in in the context of a standalone. I mean, it's a Star Wars movie, so it has it has those familiar elements. But as you said before, best space battle ever in a Star Wars movie, hands down. Uh, I think it, I think it might have had something to do with three PO's cameo, but you know, Corey, stop. Sure. Okay. 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 And um, Scarif. <laughs> Scarif. No. No. <laughs> uh, no, but the, you had the space battle on Scarif. Uh, around Scarif, you had the them storming the beach on Scarif, which for me, that Rebel versus Imperial th- is better than what we get in Hoth. Um. Vader mowing down rebels in the hallway. Uh, I, I mean, there's not one thing in this movie that's not good. Not one. There's not one thing that... E- like even the shots on Yavin 4 yeah, are, are yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah. And how they, they're they all coming around the table. Uh, the, 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 the big circle console thingy that they, they, they gather around. The Jimmy room. Smith's making his way and the little allusion uh, to um, Obi Wan, to Obi Wan, and and uh, Hera's name over the loudspeaker, and Chopper just, in the background. Yeah, that's that's cool too. I, I'll be honest; it wasn't it wasn't bad. It, there's not one thing in that movie. Like in the Last Jedi, I can name you four or five things right off the top of my head that that bug me. There's not one of those things in Rogue One. Not one. Not one. Yeah, I struggle but, to find anything about Rogue One visually where I'm like, that's a wasted shot, or that, or a confusing shot, or could have yeah, been. Oh, that could have been better, or yeah, visually it's so good. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 on all of our podiums, I think, for a reason. Was it on it your podium, Corey? Number this is my number four. Ah, okay, well, it was up PLJ there. Came ahead. It was up yeah. there for all of us. 
If anyone tests positive, right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My gold medal winner is Revenge of the Sith. Like, dear. It's just... Mine was... I I think George hit hit his stride just before time... Just in time for him to bow out, like... That the opening shot, Battle of Coruscant, I I love that every single time. It's it's Obi Wan and Anakin, it's their story. It's those two guys, they're perfectly in sync. Right, we we get two brothers in, in arms who are so close and understand each other so well that the formation that they're in, like they're 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 in such perfect sync. It's great visual storytelling, and then they they roll over the hull. And you just open up to the Battle of Coruscant. Like, what a way to open up that movie. And uh, another shot, like, uh, Grievous' ship plunging through the atmosphere towards Coruscant's surface, I think is yep. is a great shot, the way they, they kind of frame that up. Mustafar, brilliant. It's like, Stephen, help me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just like, I think every setting and location in that movie stand out for the way they're presented. Like the audio mix is, is super active and engaging all the way through. Um, I, I don't have a bad word to say about the way uh, Revenge of the Sith looks or sounds like it's, it's, I think that the Palpatine rescue, I think um, from the moment that they land inside and they're battling the droids and then, um, you know, going in the elevator and that stuff, that stuff is a little, loses me a little, but I mean, it's, it's in my, what, what was it in my top four? So, I mean, it's, it's up there. It's definitely, and I mean, like we were saying before, it's splitting hairs, right? Because they're all so good. Oh yeah. Ask me and, again next week. And I might, could, you know, yeah. if, I, if I, if I spent this week watching all 10 movies, I might come back to you next week with a completely different list. So this, this this list applies to February 3rd, 2019. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the That's time people to... get this podcast, my list has probably changed. Yeah. No, no, but I agree. I mean, I lo- I really really love um, Revenge of the Sith. It's uh it's it's fantastic. There there are a couple of things that unlike Rogue One, there are a couple of things that that kind of bug me, but not as much as say the others. But remember, I mean, it's 2005, so it's not that far back. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's got the menace is 20 this year. I know that's crazy to me. I love it. And, and like, to be fair, like if if we watched any other movie, the amount of times that we watch Star Wars, we'd find things that we absolutely hate about those movies too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway, like, that... you know how pe- some people watch the Dark Knight trilogy and they say how the Dark Knight is way better than the Dark Knight Rises, but they're not taking cinematography into the question because the cinematography of the Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, it's it's not even comparable the how, how much better it is. Story wise, I, I might I might be I might tend to agree that Dark Knight is better than Dark Knight Rises, but cinematography blows it away. And that uh, comes from te- writing techniques and all, uh, 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 sorry, no, filming techniques and, and, and things like that. So it's normal. If it takes five years from one film to the next, you're going to get a better, you're going to get a better product. I haven't watched any of those movies in several years now. I, I should go back and revisit. Cause if, 
if you asked me which of those three look the best, I, I would have said Dark Knight. Just off the top of my head, but yeah, because it's, I think it's a confirmation bias. Also, there's there's also that it, it, it's it's uh, it's unanimous, unanimously <laughs> loved. Uh, yeah, the, there's the Heath Ledger performance of the Joker, but that has nothing to do with the cinematography. No, I, I think of the the IMAX sequence with Batman in Hong Kong. Is that where he is? Oh, yeah, that's great. Just him like up at the top of that building overlooking yeah. Hong Kong skyline. I was, that shot sticks with me now. Oh yeah. no, that, that's it's a great. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it's crappy. I'm. It's uh, just when when you look at just what you're seeing on the screen, Bane blowing up the city and and the football stadium, <laughs> like, hello. Yeah, that that's cool. Uh, Very come cool. on. It's like you've, I've never seen that on uh, on on camera ever. So I don't know. No, but uh, yeah, like you like you were saying, I'm I'm sure if you could go if you go back and. And rewatch it like your list might change. So um, I, I'll still find it very. I'm still disappointed. I only saw Rogue One twice in the theater. I, I think I only did it three times, maybe four. Yeah, I think no four. I did four, and I wanted to do. I wanted to at least do six, and I just I just couldn't do it. Even the Last Jedi, which I love, I think I only managed four four viewings. Solo probably only three. Yeah, Solo's the one I watched the most, and it's the lowest of of the Disney era on my on my list. Yeah, it's it's weird how it plays out. I, I I hope I hope in a year from now I can say that I've already got like eight episode nine viewings under my belt. That that's my hope. <laughs> by this point, yeah, probably. Yeah, that's I hope to see episode nine by far the most. All right, Mike, that was a fantastic question. A very unique way to rank the Star Wars movies. Yeah. All right, guys, that is going to do it for episode 161. Special shout out again to uh, to the team at Star Wars Shadow Council. Thank you guys for letting us uh, quote freely from your work. That was very much appreciated. And uh, yeah, if, again, check it out. Star Wars Shadow Council. I'm going to link to some of those pieces in the show notes of, or in the, uh, the description of this podcast. So make sure you go check those out. And uh, if you want, again, thanks, Mike. If any of you guys out there want to be part of this podcast, send your questions in to tumblingsaber at gmail.com. We will feed them into the show notes and and, uh, we'll get to them. We'll butcher them as we normally do. And uh, I want to also thank our good friend, Mr. Rob Wade from emotionally14.com and from Talk Star Wars for endorsing this episode and all episodes of the Tumbling Saber podcast as part of the E14 endorsed program. So make sure you check out Rob at emotionally14.com and uh, check it all out, uh, all the other E14 endorsed podcasts. And also make sure you check out Rob's book, Assorted Thoughts on Podcasting. Look that up on Amazon. It's a good read, done in under an hour, and you'll be better off for it. Uh, all right, guys, where do, uh, Carlos, where do people find you on the old social media machine? You can find me at uh, C Candido Music on Twitter and Instagram. You could search for me, Carlos Candido, on Facebook, like my music page. And you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Cardos Creates. For $3 a month, uh, you'll be part of our community where uh, you guys get to uh, get a new song every month. Uh, I haven't missed a month yet. It was close. (laughs) Down to the wire. uh, Down to the wire again. Uh, But uh, yeah, uh, join that community and um, let's make music together. 
Ooh, my goodness. Corey, I have to follow that one up. Well, let's just make it simple and say that y'all can find me at Chopper Rules with a Z. I can vouch for that. You can find Corey there for sure. And also you can find Corey in our Facebook group, which I, which nobody joined this weekend. Oh, imagine that. Who had yonder? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Come check it out though. The, the tumbling saber closed group on Facebook is always a good time. We are always talking star Wars. More people are joining all the time, which means there's more conversations to be had. So come join us. There's no, there's no BS. There's no toxicity. It's just star Wars talk. And we have a great time in there. So come check it out. We'll find you there. Otherwise, you can find me at Tumbling Saber on Twitter and Instagram. And also let me direct you to our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth. Our network continues to evolve. And we think we're getting better and better as we go along. But check it out. Go find us at StarWarsCommonwealth.com. Check out all the other podcasts. Or you can just simply look up Star Wars Commonwealth on iTunes as a podcast provider. And that's it, everybody. Have yourselves a great week. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all in episode 162. Struggle for the answers, questions frighten me. Circles getting wider, it's harder just to see. Shivers, the shower through my skin.